As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for joining me on this brief edition of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills have made their first selection of the 2023 NFL Draft. And with that selection, not only did they take something that was somewhat unexpected for the first round pick, But they also moved up to do so in Brandon Bean typical fashion. The Bills moved up a couple of picks just as they did a year ago when they traded up for Kair Elam. They moved up to select Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid as their uh, option to be an offensive playmaker for them, giving them some additional firepower and really kind of having it be a thought-provoking pick above all else. So I wanted to get into just some of the my initial thoughts on the, on the overwhelming, uh, I guess, theory behind the pick, what it kind of signals, what it means moving forward, and, and certainly who this kind of puts pressure on and, and how it all kind of goes together based on what they have on the current roster. So we'll get to that in a second. I did want to go over the ins and outs of the trade because last week when Brandon Bean met with reporters, he said it was going to be more likely that he traded down than uh, traded up. And when he walked into his uh, post-Kincaid pick availability, he's he basically said, you know, I thought we were going to move down. And then he believed that Kincaid would have been the Cowboys pick at number 26 and thought he was good enough of a fit to give up their fourth round pick in this year's draft. Now, it was an interesting move just because... 
This is now the fourth different time that Brandon Bean, as the general manager of the Bills, has moved up in the first round. He did it for Josh Allen. He did it for Tremaine Edmonds. He did it for Kyir Elam. And now he has done it for Dalton Kincaid. So there's clearly a, uh, a trend. The only time, two times he did not do so was for Ed Oliver and Greg Rousseau. And that Rousseau one was probably the most uncommon of all of them just because he had to wait a long time for that pick. But Oliver was still a top 10 pick and he kind of played the game that way, had a good idea what was going to happen, thought he was going to get a top 10 talent because obviously they were picking ninth overall. And kind of stuck to his guns there. So it was easier to stand pat. But when he's had to wait a little bit, he's clearly had the pension to move up. Now we can discuss the ins and outs of of the player and the worth of it. But the idea of giving up a draft selection in a year that they only had six of them and their fourth best draft selection, mind you, you know, is it, is it an extreme cost? No. Is it a round that they have done fairly well in in the past? Yeah, it is. They, they've, they've found some, some nice little pieces in the fourth round previously. Whether it be, well, this wasn't him, but Taron Johnson, Gabe Davis was a fourth round pick who has turned into a starter. So clearly they have had some success in that round. But just as Bean has kind of made it seem like it was necessary, he believed Dalton Kincaid had a first-round grade. And to his credit, this is a really strong tight end class, and Dalton Kincaid was the first tight end taken, so they got their pick of the litter. And it's not necessarily a tight end, specifically. However... I might be nitpicking here, but I think for the Bills, wondering if they could have gotten a later round pick back in this situation for a slight trade-up, I think that might have made it a little bit easier to swallow, but you know, be it as it may, I guess it's Bean's philosophy that he will give up a day three pick if he's excited about someone and he was clearly excited about Dalton Kincaid. The overall, I guess, success of trading up is usually not there just based on just based on pass. It usually favors the team that's moving down in those, for instances. But being is not the type to to wait around or to move down. He sees a talent. He wants to go get it. So I understand where he's coming from and know that the whole idea of trying to wait it out is something that has happened fewer times than it hasn't. But still... You know, that's that's where the idea of really saving your resources in a year where you need them to help rebuild this depth, that, that was the thing that kind of threw it off a little bit. 
But enough of the trade. That's like splitting hairs a little bit here. And, you know, I, I think a fourth-round pick is, is a legitimate asset, so I won't belabor the point. But the fit of Dalton Kincaid for what they want to do is, I think, a compelling one. I think it's a progressive one based on where the NFL is heading. But it also makes me wonder about their overall level of commitment to doing something like this. Because since we have known this version of the Bills, they have had, they have basically been running out of 11 personnel. They have had a prototypical X, a prototypical flanker, and a prototypical slot receiver for the most part. You know, last year they didn't really have a a trustworthy slot receiver, and that's why they tried to turn over so many different things throughout the season, especially late in the in the campaign. And you could really tell that having that extra set of hands that is worthwhile for teams to pay attention to really made them struggle. And they just put all a lot of opponents put all their focus on Stefan Diggs. Diggs would get frustrated. Allen would see them the extra attention early on and then wouldn't look Diggs' way as much the rest of those games, even if the defenses weren't giving as much attention to Diggs down the stretch of those games. It just overall led to this sense of frustration and inconsistency, disjointedness. Um, it just lacked a punch to their offense last year, even though the, the yards and points, as they've pointed out so many different times throughout throughout the offseason were there just something was off last year and I don't think Brandon Bean makes this move and all the moves he's made at receiver if he didn't feel the same way so in walks Dalton Kincaid and the reason why I like I like the potential of it the theory of it is because it gives them some size and from a conceptual standpoint, the way that Bean laid it out was that Kincaid is more of a guy that they're going to be using split out wide, whether it's at slot or or even closer to the perimeter, which would then force the opponent into continuing to play nickel as opposed to their base defense with with three linebackers and giving the Bills a leg up from a size perspective without sacrificing a ton of movement skills based on what they've had at slot receiver previously with Cole Beasley. So I get that. Kincaid has good hands, everything along those lines. I think the trouble that... I might find in it is whether or not they're going to be committed to running this as their base offense through and through. It's going to take a strong level of commitment from offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey to utilize Dalton Kincaid the way in the vision that Brandon Bean had had for this draft pick in the way that Sean McDermott likely has for this draft pick, because we know what Sean McDermott has wanted since, really since over the last several years, even when Brian Dable was in, was the offensive coordinator. He has wanted 
the offense to be more unpredictable from one play to the next. And sometimes he's wanted it to be them being a more effective rushing team. They wanted to run more 12 personnel last year. That really didn't go because O.J. Howard was a bust of a free agent signing. They wound up cutting him before the season even started. And Quentin Morris, who they liked in training camp, couldn't really block all that well when he was out there in 12 personnel. So it really reduced the push to use that as often as maybe they wanted to. So they believe that drafting Kincaid, they could use him on the field at the same time as Dawson Knox and keep defenses in nickel. It's it's an interesting in theory because it does stress the defense a little bit. However, it, it also means that Dorsey has to really just buy all the way into this scope of the offense. If they use Kincaid as a as a big slot receiver or kind of in the way that Miami used Mike Jasicki a couple years ago before McDaniel showed up in Miami, I think that is a means to, to uh, make this worthwhile. And certainly having Knox out there being a suitable pass-catching tight end that you would keep in line to block way more often than you would with Kincaid, that helps matters too. It's kind of reminiscent, and it's funny because the NFL is kind of cyclical in this way. It's kind of reminiscent to how New England was was operating with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez for for as prolific as as that was when they when they had those two guys together. But there are some key differences like Dawson Knox is Rob not Rob Gronkowski. I think that's that's pretty evident. Um but I do like that the Bills are kind of on the front foot about ways that the NFL might be heading because for years now we've seen a lot of 11 personnel against um, smaller defenses and defense staying in nickel a lot of the game for way more than half of the game for a lot of these teams. Like, for instance, the Bills, nickel is their base defense, so... They are all the way committed to that. So it might be on the way to a change, and maybe the Bills are on that that front foot of it, to be able to force the defense into a decision into what personnel they play out there based on having Kincaid on the field. Now, he has to hit. He has to be this overwhelming receiving target that... They believe he can be in their offense. And like I said, the commitment from from Dorsey and the offensive staff has to be there to be able to utilize him. Otherwise, if he turns into like a 25 to 35% snap guy because they want to go with more of their basic set, which is three receivers and a tight end, 
then this pick doesn't make any sense. It becomes a luxury pick above all else. But if they commit to it and have Knox be out there along with Kincaid and have Kincaid at least in his rookie season or in his rookie season at least have like 40 to 50% of snaps and then with the vision that he can become a down the line almost every snap sort of guy, then that's where I think they could be onto something here. But like I said, it it takes creativity, it takes commitment, it takes taking on that vision that Bean and McDermott has for the offense and being able to come up with creative game plans and and sequencing that will challenge a defense. And that was not necessarily the strong suit of Ken Dorsey last year. So I like the theory of Dalton Kincaid. I didn't, at first I'm like, well, that doesn't make a great deal of sense when you look at it as tight end. Like if this, if Dalton Kincaid, if they, if it wasn't him and they instead picked like Michael Mayer from Notre Dame or Darnell Washington from Georgia, these guys who are inline tight ends, to me that would be like a major luxury pick, way more than, way more than, uh, say, a running back in the first round would be because the, because you have Dawson Knox signed through 2026, those inline tight ends would at maximum be like 20 to 30% players based on how much 12 personnel they actually run. So that would that would have been legitimately different. But Kincaid, I can I can get to. I can get the concept. I I like the fact that they could be on the on the up and up of where the NFL is heading with having bigger players out there against smaller defenses. All that part is good. It really boils down to Dorsey being able to utilize this player, and if he doesn't, then figuring out someone who will. So picks are great in theory, but it really boils down to committing to that plan. And if the Bills are willing to do so and don't fall into the, I guess, the um, stereotypes of positions and where they are best used, because you can have all of these theories when you get to it and it doesn't work and then you go back to 11 personnel, time in, time out. And then all of a sudden, what's that first round pick to you? And then you have a first round pick of a of a tight end who you believe to be kind of a, a move tight end signed through 2026 with an option for 2027. Another inline tight end in Dawson Knox, who you just paid a pretty considerable deal to, signed through 2026. So it is absolutely on them to get the most out of both of those guys on the field at the same time. And even with all of this, still wouldn't rule out them going after a wide receiver at some point later in the draft, whether it's day two, day three. I still think there's a spot that could be utilized 
even if it's not like a someone that dresses on game day in, in their rookie year, I think there's a spot available for a sixth receiver as it stands right now. So they might not be done. They might add a running back. They might add a wide receiver. Could add some offensive linemen. We'll see what happens. But I do like how outside the box this Kincaid thing could be. Although I'm I'm somewhat skeptical of them utilizing it in the way that it should be utilized. I guess it's just a believe it when I see it sort of thing. And that's not a negative on them. It's just NFL in general. Being on the front foot of, of, of these trends, you have to really stand out on a limb sometimes. And not to say this is a crazy concept by any means, to have a, a big slot slot guy which would be Kincaid here like the Eagles the years that they went with Ertz and and Goddard I think that's another good similarity here that that they're hoping to to get to use both those guys on the field at the same time and they did well with it but it requires that commitment so it is a very much a to be determined as to whether or not Dorsey can do it. If he can make the most of it. Make sure this pass-catching option that they believe so fervently in becomes that player in 2023 and beyond. And if this offense can be a lot more consistent because of it. It should help. But we'll see how, uh, how they dice it up once they get to the season. All right, so that was a, a quick little, some quick little thoughts on Dalton Kincaid and the trade up and and day one and everything like that. Uh, if you're listening to this on Saturday at or on Friday at at some point, I should say, then the day two picks are still to come. The Bills are picking number fifty nine and number ninety one. They still have two more picks on day three in the fifth round and the sixth round, and that's their full draft class right now. So we'll see if that changes. And uh, we'll have another episode recapping the entire draft uh, uh, on Monday morning. We'll we'll have that uh, fresh and ready for you to go over exactly what this draft class had, where things are kind of looking for the Bills in general, where they could still look to add, stuff like that. So we'll we'll cover it all, uh, and that'll be to uh, to your podcast feeds by Monday morning. All right. Thank you for listening to this very brief version of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscali, and we will talk to you later this weekend. See you then.